Our scripture reading this morning comes from the book of Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah. We will be reading from chapter 55, verses 1 through 7. And the scripture we have today is from the NIV, the New International Version. Listen to the word of the Lord. Come, all you who thirst, come to the waters, and you, have, and you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money, without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread? and you labor on what does not satisfy. Listen, listen to me and eat what is good. You will delight in the richest of fare. Give ear and come to me. Listen that you may live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you. My faithful love promised to David. See, I have made him a witness to the peoples, a ruler and a commander of the prophet of the of the peoples. Surely you will summon nations you know not, and nations you do not know will come running to you, because of the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, for he has endowed you with splendor. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on them and to our God for he will freely pardon Thank you, Charles. Charles is, as you know, a member here at the Ladder Hope Presbyterian Church, but he is not only that, he is also a candidate ready and certified to receive a call to be ordained, meaning that he has done his, uh, all his requirements academically, all his requirements in terms of exams for ordination, and he is just awaiting a call to do ordination. It is our prayer that wherever he receives a call that we may just be able, that's something that Presbyterians decide, but that we may just be able to celebrate that ordination here at Light of Hope. It would be a wonderful experience for all of us. As you know, in the last uh, eight weeks for the summer, I was sharing with you a series of messages concerning encounters with Jesus. We basically had uh, six messages altogether in that series, though there were eight Sundays. One Sunday was substituted while I was out uh, by the Reverend Hawk, and the other one was by uh, Reverend Wells. And then last week, Dorothy brought the last piece, the last story of encounters with Jesus as she taught and shared with us the experience of the woman with great faith who approached Jesus to touch the hem of his garment. If you look in your bulletin, this is, by the way, a new bulletin that we're testing today. We have this format today. Uh, if you want one of these every Sunday, all you have to do is call 1-800-FEED-ME-EVERY-DAY. Uh, no. <laughs> no, we're going to try this format where we are trying to minimize inserts, obviously, 
But uh, next week we're going to try another format to see which of the two we are more comfortable with. But if you notice in the front page, you have six little squares, six little pictures, six little depictions of the different stories that we discussed throughout the summer. It was basically encounters with Jesus. And in these six different stories, some of the individuals actually ran and encountered Jesus as they sought the Lord, while others, they were sought by Jesus himself. As I remember, and perhaps if you were here during some of those weeks, it was summer and some of us were in and out throughout the summer, we, we, we discussed the women at the well. We discussed Nicodemus, which was actually the original Nick at night. We also discussed the idea of Peter responding, being the only one to respond to the disciples, of the disciples as Jesus encountered all of them in a boat. And Jesus was the only one who responded and actually became the only water walker that we know historically. We also were reminded of the young rich ruler which so arrogantly approached the Lord with his self-righteousness. And the Lord made it a notch higher and he couldn't do it. Oh, that encounter may have been frustrated. But I suggested to you that maybe, maybe, maybe this young rich ruler may have been the same person that was alone in the Garden of Gethsemane when Jesus was arrested because he only had his cloak on because he had sold everything and given it to the poor. Maybe I suggest that he may have been the writer of the first gospel, John Mark, the gospel of Mark. But we also have the story of the two sisters, Mary and Martha, who were struggling with the duties and, and, and doing and, and struggling with the balance of doing and listening, of being and doing, who struggled with the uncertainty of the mystery of Jesus' story, but also who struggled with the certainty of duties that had to be done. And they both learned the balance in that period. And lastly, we heard about the amazing lady who her last Resort of hope in desperation was basically her light of hope, Jesus Christ himself. As I was reviewing the stories, I found basically three things in common in all these stories. Of course, I'm preaching, it's communion Sunday, I got to rush through it. So we'll deal with three things only, but you know I want to say more, but I will limit myself to be faithful to our duty this morning. I found three things. First of all, they all experienced an encounter with Jesus. Secondly, they not only experienced that encounter with Jesus, but they engaged Jesus. They actually invested effort, time, discussions, entanglement sometimes with Jesus. And they all also responded to that engagement that they had with Jesus. You see, sometimes, just sometimes, uh, uh, when we encounter somebody it is, or, or something, it is just that, an encounter. The word encounter comes from the late Latin and old French, encontrare. Uh, very easy for us, Carmen, right? To listen to those words, Carmen and I speak Spanish. And uh, so, encontrare is to be in encounter with, to be in front of. It doesn't always have to be someone, but it could also be something that crosses our path, that interrupts our way, that basically encounters us on the way, and we have to respond. That is what encounter typically is. Sometimes these encounters can be meaningless. Sometimes these encounters can really be superficial, insignificant, short-term. 
Back in the 70s, some of these encounters, and forgive uh, uh, those of you who may understand, were called one-night stands. And nobody called anybody the next day. Because they were insignificant, they were superficial, and at some level meaningless. But you see, when we have encounters in our life, we can choose. We can choose to confront that encounter. We can choose to avoid it. We can choose to ignore it. We can choose to deny it altogether. Or we just deal with it. You see, the lady at the well who saw the Lord, a Jewish man sitting at a well, and here she goes, approaching the well at noontime, where she knew no one was going to bother her, no one was going to bug her, she was not going to be listening to the words of the people. You see, in this encounter, it was Jesus who encountered the lady. It was Jesus who interrupted in her hiding place of the well at noon. It was Jesus who decided to go in her private space. And there was an engagement. There was a discussion. There was an argument. There were challenges thrown at Jesus. And Jesus back at her. They really engaged. They not only uh, uh, invested some time together, they invested effort, they invested time, they invested in dialogue, they invested in conversation. And it was honest. And it was out there. See, Nicodemus, who actually came to Jesus late at night with his own political agenda because he knew Jesus was a man from God and this may be the dude, they may be the first king after we deal with the Romans and do the revolution. He came looking for that earthly king because he recognized that Jesus was from God and he ended up discovering the king of kings, the Lord of lords. But even though his political agenda was not satisfied, Nicodemus continued to engage with Jesus. We hear it as he defended Jesus in the Sanhedrin when they were accusing him without evidence. And we also know that he even continued to engage Jesus as Jesus was dead and he contributed with between 75 to 100 pounds of spices for Jesus' tomb. We can also safely assume that it was the same Nicodemus who also continued to engage Jesus as Jesus became the resurrected Lord. And he realized, oh, how foolish of me, he probably said. Here I was looking for a political leader, and I have stumbled into the Lord of Lords, the kings of kings. It may have been also the same experience for Peter. Because, you see, when Jesus appeared to the 12 disciples as they were in that boat, and the sea was raging and the ocean was rough, the Lord encountered all 12 disciples. He encountered all 12, but only one decided to engage the Lord to the point of risking his life. This is a sailor who knows that the oceans are rough, who knows that the ocean is, is not safe. And he does not blindly get off that boat. He verifies his faith and he says, Lord, if that is you, you tell me to step out of the boat. I like that. Lord, if that's really you asking me to do this, then co confirm it. Let me know in my heart. And the Lord said, come on. Come. And, and people, Peter actually stepped out of the boat and walked on waters. I wonder in the encounter that both 
Mary had with Jesus, Mary and Martha had with Jesus. How one of them was more focusing on the duties of serving, of being a good, dedicated house person, host. Well, the other decided to take another role and sat down and listened to the mysteries. She liked that part. Oh, if, Mary was, if, if Martha was going to get busy, Mary was going to sit and listen. And there was a complaint and there was that kind of situation. We know this was not the first encounter that these ladies had with Jesus. We do know. We do know that, they, that this was a house that Jesus accustomed to go and visit to as he was going from one place to the other back into Jerusalem. So they knew Jesus and they kept engaged with Jesus. We know later that they even were able to confront Jesus in pain and grief. If you would have been here, oh Lord, my brother would not have died. But they were the first to hear the amazing words, I am the resurrection. I am the life. They were the first to hear those words. I wonder if the encounter that Jesus had with a young rich ruler who was an initially frustrated in, in encounter and it turned into a frustrated engagement as the young rich ruler could not meet the demands of Jesus of selling everything he had and give the money to the poor. He actually approached Jesus first. He ran to Jesus. He encountered Jesus first. But he left disappointed, frustrated, but there was a seed that was planted in his heart. There was a word that was planted in his heart. Because the author of Mark, where the story has this one solitary line. It said, but Jesus loved him. Jesus loved him. And I wonder if it was that young rich ruler who kept engaged with Jesus throughout his life as Jesus was arrested, as Jesus was crucified, and as Jesus rose again and ascended and may have been counted among the 120. Finally, we have the lady with a great faith who had been already frustrated financially, drained economically, frustrated with doctors and medicine that wouldn't work for her. She had not, was not only frustrated with her own uh, lack of being able to change her life, but now society, because of the issue that she had because of her disease, also rejected her and kept away from her. She had no real way of trying to engage Jesus. But as she walked, she said, Jesus is coming by here. I'm going to encounter him. And in her faith, in her desperation, the woman just reached out, reached out amongst the crowd, reached out and touched the hem of the Lord, and she was healed. Yet Jesus realized it and called it out. Who touched me? He noticed it. He noticed it. And she who was hidden, who was rejected, who was sick and despondent, heard the words, you are healed in your faith. Has healed you. Your faith has healed you. It is in this encounter and because of the engagement that she had with the Lord, it is the hidden ones, the immigrants, the mentally ill, the homeless who come to the forefront as Jesus recognizes those who are in hiding. But yet, know and hope for God to touch them. Not only did they have an, an encounter with Jesus, not only did these characters have a great engagement with Jesus, but they also responded to Jesus. And let me ask you the questions. Would you be willing to give up your excuses? Would you be willing to give up whatever is blocking you 
and Jesus? Because that's precisely how the lady at the well responded. Oh, Jesus removed all the obstacles to come to her. But she began to throw more. And you're a Jew. I'm a Samaritan. You're not supposed to be hanging around here with me. And Jesus said, I don't care. And Jesus said, so? And he says, whatever. I'm here to love you just as you are. With all the history and all those guys that be hanging around your house, so what? That's not the excuse. What excuse do we have to not allow that more close relationship with Jesus? What's your excuse? The lady at the well ran out. She surrendered and gave up to God's unconditional acceptance. Are you willing to be or to see beyond your own ways or your own agenda? Like Nicodemus, because Nicodemus had his own agenda. Oh, he had it all written down. He had a business plan. He had a political revolution under his sleeve. I wonder, are you willing to give up your agenda? Are you willing to give up your personal opinion for the reality of God's way, like Nicodemus did? Are you willing to also take such risk with Jesus? Notice, take a risk with Jesus. As Peter did, as he stepped out of that boat and walked on waters. Because, beloved, if you want to be able to walk on waters in this life, you have to get out of the boat. Are you living a life in such imbalance that you only can deal with certainty, with that which is secure, with that which you can control? Or are you willing to live in the mystery and the tension of both certainty and uncertainty, of both duty and yet mystery, of both the written word and the mysterious word of Jesus in our lives as a person and as a church, like Mary and Martha actually did? Would you be willing to give up your goodness your self-righteousness? Would you be willing to accept the fact that we are sinners? By the way, let me ask you, how many sinners do we have here? Very good. So if I go out there and I say, sinners, follow me, you know what to do. Because I'm leading you. And like Paul, I would say, I'm the first one. But are we willing to knock down those facades of propriety? And self-righteousness. That we have even politicized. (laughs) Goodness have we. To accept Jesus' righteousness in our lives. As the young rich ruler may have eventually discovered. And let me ask you lastly. Are you really willing to grow in faith in such a way that it would not just be the little mustard grain or seed, but it would be the tree that would grow and host not only one bird, but families of birds as we grow in love, in patience, and we infect this community with not the legalism, not the judgmental, but like I want to have in our first t-shirt, no judging, just loving. Follow me to a lot of hope. How have you engaged Jesus? I know most of us here have had an encounter with Jesus. But I wonder, I want to challenge you to refresh that engagement with Jesus. Don't just put Jesus in a little compartment in your calendar for Sunday mornings. And maybe one minute at night as you lay your head in the pillow and say, thank you, Lord. 
Is that all you engage Jesus with? What will you do this coming week to engage Jesus in a more significant way? You see, because there are two ways that we can engage Jesus, and I finish with this. Basically, we're either fans or followers. We're either fans who are willing to get up in the morning and season that beef and that sausage and that burger and go and burn meats and flesh in front of the old temples. I'm sorry, the stadium. And sacrifice meats and, and, and pour libations, I mean drink beer, in front of our heroes. That's a fan. Because you know, the guy who's getting ready, he's not cooking. The guy who's going to be in the stadium, he has been working and sweating for weeks and months before. To play for those hours and reach a goal. Are we like fans or are we followers who are willing to take on the cross and follow Jesus? You see, Jesus was confronted with this in John and I finished. Uh, the, Jesus had, had fed the 5,000, perhaps even 10, 15,000 people. He had walked on water. The people had seen him doing amazing things. And he began to tell them, if you want to be a follower, you have to give up your life and follow me. You have to give up your life and gain it. If you give it up, you'll gain it. If you turn away, you will get this. And it's difficult stuff, Lord. I don't want to follow you. And the crowd began to thin out. The crowd began to get very thin, very thin. And then Jesus, as he saw the crowd thinning out, he actually called out and said, at this point, his disciples turned away and were deserting him. Then Jesus turned to the twelve and asked, Are you also going to leave? And Simon Peter replied, Lord, to whom would we go? You have the words that give eternal life. To whom are you going? To whom are you engaging in life? I invite you this morning to quicken and open a new window in your heart and in your life. To, re- to have a fresh and renewed engagement of Jesus in your life. Not as a religious figure, but as a transformer of your life. I invite you to do this as we come together. As we are invited by the Lord himself. That he said that people will come from the north and the south, the east and the west. And will come and have supped with me. Charles, if you would please join me. So I invite you this morning, through communion, to that special presence of the Lord with us in this special moment, to encounter Jesus and decide what kind of engagement you want to have with Jesus. Amen.